You are Locked On Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Red Sox podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Jake Devereaux, joined as usual by my co-host, Matt Collins. We are here to bring you the best Red Sox coverage on the internet Monday through Friday. We want to be part of your daily routine. So be sure to subscribe to us on Himalaya, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. This is your September 23rd edition of the podcast, and on today's show we're going to be talking about the weekend's action, and we're going to update you on the injury news to David Price. But before we do that, I want to talk to you about Bombas. Bombas are the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. With every pair purchased, a pair is donated. Go to bombas.com backslash locked on. Locked to get 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com backslash locked to get 20% off your first purchase. All right, Matt. So we got some uh, some news about Mr. David Price. Um, he apparently did not. Uh, the thing that he had, the, the injection into the cyst to break up the cyst, uh, didn't work effectively in his wrist, so David Price is uh, going to be undergoing surgery on Thursday of this week, I believe, to get that whole thing taken care of, and seems like he's going to be ready to go for, for spring training. Yeah, I mean, this all, I think surgery was always the most likely outcome here, um, and I mean, it's not a major surgery, I mean, this isn't Tommy John or anything like that. Um, it's, the expectation is that um, getting the procedure done now instead of waiting a few more weeks and getting it in like the middle of October, end of October or something, he will be able to get his off season started right at regular time, if not earlier. Um, there, every expectation is that he's going to have a normal off season. This isn't really going to affect his work that much. So, um, I mean, surgery is always a scary thing, especially for a pitcher and a wrist things like that but by all accounts this is really extremely routine and nothing that's gonna that should affect him this winter or in the spring or anything like that so just following off that does this change your expectations for him for next year at all no um i mean somebody who knows more about this stuff might be able to convince me otherwise but based on what i've read i mean i obviously i don't know anything about cysts or wrists or anything like that. So or anything just, else that rhymes? Yeah, I'm, I'm Dr. Susan over here. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I have, I have no idea. I can only go off what I'm reading, and everything just seems like it's pretty routine, so I don't... It doesn't change anything for me. I mean, we are, my expectations are my expectations regardless of what happens with this little surgery. Uh, so, so David Price um, hasn't hit 200 innings since 2016. Do you expect him to approach that mark next year, or do you think he's more of like a 150 innings pitcher now? I think he's more than 150 and less than 200. I mean, like 175. I don't think there's a lot of 200 inning pitchers anymore. Um, so, I mean, I think that's kind of a high mark for him to hit. Um, I think 180 is probably the new 200, and I would say he's right around there i'd probably take the under but just barely yeah just to give you an idea he was 230 74.2 um 176 innings in this year he ended at 107 so he's been well below that mark since he got here i'm i'm sort of expecting him to be around like 130 to 150 next year i'm sure new things will pop up as he's a little bit older 
Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's probably always safe to assume a pitcher is going to get hurt, but I don't know. I mean, like I said, I think one, a little under 180 is probably where I would guess. And effectiveness-wise, this year he pitched to a 4.28 ERA. Was really good in the first part of the season. Um, 4.28 isn't as bad as it sounds. No, no, it isn't as bad as it sounds. He was very good in the first half. Yeah. Do you expect him to be like, you know, a a four ERA pitcher or below? I don't. No, I don't really feel comfortable answering in that context, just because I have no idea what the baseball is going to be like. so I think I'd rather answer in terms of ERA plus. Okay. Um, and I would say probably, oh, close to one, or like 120, Ooh, okay. which is worse than he's been for the last few years, but still pretty good. Hmm. He was 114 this year for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I kind of think he's going to be right around that range again, 110 to 114. Kind of what my expectations would be. So I guess my expectations are a little bit lower performance and a little bit lower on innings than you. But ultimately, I think he's going to be a pretty pretty solid contributor for this team next year. Unless he yeah, gets I mean, traded. I think I think you. I, I definitely don't think he's getting traded. Um, but I guess this is the worst we've seen David Price in a long time um, when you can combine his performance and his innings. And I just, I know he's older, but somebody like David Price, I just don't think I can look at his worst year of his career and think that this is just him now. I mean, I definitely could be wrong, obviously. Like I said, he's older. He's a pitcher. He's going to be 34 next year. It wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for him to continue to decline, but I just, um, I think he's earned... He's gotten to the point of his career, and he's the kind of guy where I have to see it before I just believe that that's who he is. What did you make of his pitch usage this year? Because he did change things up a little bit. He threw his change up more than he has in the past. Um, He threw his cutter a little bit less than he has the last two years, actually kind of a lot less than he did in 2018. And he went back to throwing that fastball as much as he's thrown it since 2015. So that was a little bit strange for him. I think that was... I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I feel like just anecdotally, just based off what I remember seeing, that started trending more and more like that as the season went on, and I think that was a result of that injury. Um, I mean, he said that the the wrist injury, he could really only throw his fastball. He couldn't really get the spin on anything, and obviously, if he's going to throw that cutter, he needs to spin it. Right. So I think if he's totally healthy, I think we're going to see that arsenal that he showed late last year and early this year that was just so effective where, I mean, he was still throwing a lot of fastballs, but he was mixing that cutter in and that changeup in a lot more. Um, it's just a matter of, I mean, it's hard to throw that cutter if your wrist isn't feeling right. You've really got to be able to break break that wrist off. Yeah. Yeah, that does make a lot of sense. I, I will, we'll end the off season when we have some more time to break these guys down individually. We'll probably dig into that a little bit more and see when that exact change happened. But yeah, you're right. He did mention that that was a big factor for him in terms of what he was throwing. Um, we're going to take a quick break here. And when we get back from our break, we're going to hit on the Red Sox weekend series against the Tampa Bay Rays. So stay with us. And we're going to give you a couple words from our sponsors. We all love a night out. Whether it's seeing the Red Sox at Fenway or checking out the Patriots at Gillette, 
With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the game of your choice and earn credits towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better, Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. Vivid Seats Rewards. For the month of September, earn double credit back from 10 to 16% on all your purchases through the Vivid Seats app. Go to the App Store or the Google Play, or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats loyalty program. Every purchase is backed up by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theaters and shows, Vivid Seats has it all. Download this app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Check out Vivid Seats and get to all the live events you want to see. Hey guys, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about sex again. Right now, you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed when you go to BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can always be ready when an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. BlueChew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. When you go to BlueChew.com, you get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. You just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB, to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. All right, welcome back to segment two. So the Red Sox played the Rays this weekend. Um, two of the games had identical scores and ended in the exact same inning. That was kind of funny. Uh, Eleven inning games, both five to four losses. Entirely Tampa not Bay. funny. Um, all right, well, you know what? Someone who was stayed up and watched those games, I, I hated it a lot. Well, that's your own fault, Matt. No one told you it's... you had to stay up and watch those games. It is. I, I mean, it's my job. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow, in the first of those games, Rick Porcello pitched really well again. Uh, Rick Porcello has been very good as of late. Um, he was, I mean, it's kind of frustrating because we know what Rick Porcello is capable of, but just gives you a little bit of a look at like what could have been this year if he could have just found any sort of consistency. Yeah, I don't know that he's been as good lately. As you're saying, maybe it has been, and I'm just compartmentalizing everything of the season. <laughs> just, I think at this point, everything that happens is kind of, I forget about it immediately after it happens. I guess his last two starts have been pretty good. Yeah, his he had two, and that, then he had two crappy ones before yeah. that, but then he had one, two, three, four out of his five before that were very good. So, I mean, it was... Well, I don't know about that, but... Three innings and three runs in five innings, four walks, three strikeouts. Get the Phillies in that start. I don't know if that's very good. Very good for Rick Porcello. Yeah, that is true. Can the bar. <laughs> no, I mean, I get, we're really picking the 
starts here. Yeah. Um, he has been good his last two starts. And, I mean, I think it's nice for him. I don't think it's going to move the needle all that much for the offseason. Um, I mean, teams just aren't going to look at, like, his last two or three starts and be like, oh, this is who Rick Marcello is. But, I mean, it definitely can't hurt. Like, so, I mean, I think he's pitching. I said this in the recap for this start. He's kind of pitching for himself, which sounds like, it's a bad thing, and it sounds like I'm painting him a bad light, but I'm totally not. That's all there is to pitch for at this point. Yeah. Um, it just needs to get himself the best deal possible. So, I mean, I'm rooting for him to get that. I don't want it to be with the Red Sox, but I'm definitely rooting for him to get paid as much as possible. I think teams are going to treat him like a 4.2 ERA pitcher. I think, you know, what he's done over the last, uh, you know, four or five years or whatever is is definitely better than what he He's shown this season, you know, he's he's better than this. For sure. Yeah. I don't know that he's as good as, like, I mean, I think he's probably a slightly below average pitcher in terms of ERA who can throw an above average amount of innings, um, which is not nothing. How many years do you think he's going to get? I think he'll get a three-year deal. Uh, I will take the under if we count a two-year deal with the team option as under. Okay. Yeah, I think he gets three guaranteed years. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets offered three guaranteed years at a very low salary and takes something shorter at a higher salary to kind of... I, I I wouldn't be shocked at all if he takes a one-year deal just to like try and rebuild his value. What do you consider a, a very low value for him? What would, what would be a very low AAV? Because I think he'll get like three years, 30. Yeah, I think he'll take... I think he would want more than that. I think he would take a one-year deal. I think he... I wouldn't be surprised if he gets, like, a one-year deal, like, 12 or 13 or something, mm-hmm. and just tries to just get his value back. Because, I mean, he'll still be, what, 30? He'll be 31 next year, so, I mean, it's not a great age to be entering free agency, but it's also, if he has a really good year, he could make a lot more than that. Yeah, I could definitely see him doing that, and I think he might move to the National League, too. I think that at this stage in his career, that might be a good move for him to kind of you know, extend himself a little bit more and look to rebuild some of that value. Once he gets the hit, we don't know. We're solo hitting. He had a hit off Scherzer against the Nationals. He did. That was what I was referring to. Yeah, that was awesome. He had a a 200 OPS plus last year. That's pretty good. Seven plate appearances. (laughs) Well, uh, in the second game, the Red Sox also lost 5-4 here. Uh, It was a bullpen game. A million arms came into the game, but uh, I think the the coolest things that happened in that one were the Devers home run, Bogart's home run. Uh, Devers at 31 home runs. Bogart's at 32 here. Um, Devers has fallen off the pace on that extra base hits mark, though, and you have the updated numbers. Uh, Yeah, 89. That's what he's on pace for. He's got 85 now. Okay. So, that I mean, that would still be, like, up there with David Ortiz's best seasons, right? So, David Ortiz's best season, wasn't that, like, a 91 or an 88 extra base hit season? Man, I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I did this, like, so long ago. I don't remember. Well, anyhow, he's going to fall short of the 92. I think it was near the top. Yeah. I mean, you you didn't even mention Mitch Moreland. No, I haven't. Moreland was the guy in those two games. Uh, three home runs, all of them extremely clutch. Uh, yeah. It's like early season, Mitch Moreland. He's another guy who's playing for a contract. He's not, like, going to be as attractive as Rick Porcello, as unattractive as Rick Porcello might be. Not looks-wise, he's a fairly attractive man. But, um, I mean, Mitch Moreland's 
looking for a bit role, and I mean, he's I think he's gonna find something, but um, he was so hot at the beginning of the year, and so it's nice to see him kind of reclaiming that role again down the stretch. Yeah, it sure is. Um, with Mitch Moreland, though, on the Friday podcast, Keaton and I talked about how um, the free agent market looks at first base and what the Red Sox might decide to do. But one of the things we mentioned was whether or not the Red Sox would try and re-sign Mitch Moreland because the market does look so bad. Do you think that's a potential option for them? I wouldn't totally rule it out. I just... I guess it depends what they think of Chavis and Dahlbeck. If they think Chavis can play elsewhere on a consistent basis, he's going to be working in the outfield in Winterfall this year. Um, if they think Dahlbeck's going to be ready relatively soon. Because, I mean, if they... Th- Look at those guys as their first baseman. It doesn't really, I mean, I know Moreland hits from the other side, but he'd be the long end of the platoon, and that wouldn't leave a whole lot of playing time for the other guys. So I would probably bet against it, but I'm not super confident about it. I'm like 50-50. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it. Today's game, though, the Red Sox do get the win 7-4. Nate Eovaldi pitched better than he has in his past few outings. Went six innings, struck out six, only allowed three earned runs. Did give up a home run, which is very Eovaldi of him. But, I mean, he was better than he's looked. Everybody gets a home run. Um, he was definitely better than he's looked. It was very nice to see him go six innings. Uh, first time since April 17th that he's done that. That being said, he should have given up more runs in those first three innings. Uh, he was very fortunate to have only given up those three runs. He really settled down in the second half, which is very nice to see. Um, he had some really nice curveballs um, out of nowhere. That was probably his most impressive pitch. But um, I think it was really just the length, um, showing that he can still go that far, I think is a nice little moral victory for him heading into the offseason. Um, he's another guy pitching for himself, but it's in a different sense where he just needs to like show himself that he can do it. Um, so I think in that sense it was really encouraging, but he wasn't quite as good as the line would look. He, it was a quality start, but it was not very high quality. And the last thing I want to mention about this game, though, is uh, Vasky hitting his 22nd home run of the year. Vasky is I mean, it's outrageous. It's crazy, and He's going to cap off this year with an extremely, extremely solid total line and one of the best uh, catcher wars in all of baseball. Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely a beneficiary of the juice ball, more so than your average player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's going to end the year. He's got a 99 WRC plus right now, um, which for a catcher is like – the equivalent of like a 115 to 120 and he has played very good defense um his framing numbers are still good he controls the running game um i don't know what the numbers are for his running game but i think he's i looked at one point i don't think they were very good but i thought he's better than that what the numbers said um but yeah i mean he's totally blown me away i still i mean i don't think this is what i'm expecting from him going forward but i mean i think you can expect like a 90-ish wrc plus from him which, again, from the catch position, is outstanding, especially if you play defense like him, and he's yeah. under such a friendly contract. Um, this was... Everybody's thought, everybody, for good reasons, talked about Bogart's endeavors, but Vasquez might be the most positive development on the team this year. I mean, just... Catcher was a major question coming into the year, and it was well, answered. 
It's a huge question, and, and he's been the third most valuable defensive catcher in baseball, according to Fangraphs, this season, and I kind of agree with it's that assessment. Grandal. It's a grand It's actually uh, JT Realmuto and Hedges ahead of him. Uh, they have him slightly better than Grandal and Flowers. So he's kind of right, right within that grouping of elite catchers, though, and it's hard to argue with that defensively. And like you said, with everything added together, he's the fifth-ranked uh, catcher in terms of war. So it's a, it's a good he's package. Played, he's played fewer innings than a lot of these guys, too, I would assume. Um, um, good not, not fewer than Hedges, but fewer than Real Muto and Grandal. Yeah, and I mean fewer than I mean I'm looking at the list right now. Just I don't I'm not looking at war. Just in terms of regular catchers, I mean Wilson Ramos, Roberto Perez, Ramos Trinos, and Jorge Alfaro are all out of them. Um, and he's also they've put him at different positions. You know, that's like a sneaky valuable quality for him. That right. if he does take another step forward to the bat, which isn't something I'd bet on, but it's not totally out of the question, he's turned into a guy where you can keep that bat in the lineup even on days where he's not catching. Um, I mean, that's – it's really – I've just been thrilled with everything from him this year. Absolutely. Well, with that, we uh, we need to wrap up the show here. We do hope you enjoyed the show. Um, go on, rate and review us. Follow us on Twitter. You can follow the Locked On account on Twitter at, at LO underscore Red Sox. You can follow Matt at Matt R.Y. Collins, and you can follow me at, at Dev Jake. You can ask us questions and interact with us there. And you can also urge other Red Sox fans to subscribe to the show. And fans of the league as a whole, tune into Locked On MLB to get an overview of what's happening in the league in just 15 minutes. So thank you very much, and we'll be with you tomorrow.